0: warning censorship warning
1: censorship warning censorship
0: good afternoon ladies and gentlemen you have tuned into the rebel news live stream on this a thursday july 29th 2021 i'm david menzies and my co-host oh my co-host she is the huntress supreme she is the she-devil with a sword Alisi of Northern Alberta. She is Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing today, Sheila?
1: David, I'm doing great. And actually, I'm doing better than I even expected because I don't know if you know, but yesterday the pandemic was officially pronounced over in oh. Alberta. We've moved into endemic territory. And uh, I think it's on the list of things that we need to go to, but we're going to be basically restriction-free, including quarantine-free and this Case Demic testing everybody who has a sniffle, that's over too. So I'm really excited to talk about
0: well, that. Well, congratulations. And Sheila, I love your t-shirt, defund <laughs> AHS. I, I, I suppose you're not saying you're against people going, ah, you know, when they have a nice beer on a hot day. I think AHS, Alberta Health Services, am I correct? <laughs>
1: Yep. Got it. Got it. You know what? There's too many bureaucrats telling us all how to live our lives. And that I think has really been the one eye opener for people who, you know, are strong advocates of public health care. I'm not sure that I am, but even those people have come around to the idea that there are too many middle managers eating up too much money in Alberta health services, making decisions that could destroy your business. Separate you from your grandparents and tell you exactly who you can have in your house. So, gut it. Let's rethink public health care, especially during uh, that we've come through this pandemic. Um, the idea that the entire public health care system was ill prepared for um, basically a bad flu, I think should be an eye-opener to everybody that there's a lot of waste happening in the public health care system.
0: Yeah, but you know, Sheila, my suspicion is that a lot of those people, a lot of the health bureaucrats, a lot of the folks at Alberta Health Services, they're going to have a hard time going back to the way things were in like 2019. Um, They've had a a, a taste of totalitarian power, I think. I think they love the taste. I don't think they want to give it up. Uh, You know, I I think they're probably pining for more variants of the coronavirus. That's my suspicion.
1: I also want the entire legal department defunded at Alberta Health Services. (laughs) You know, the idea that we have lawyers working for Alberta Health Services as yeah. um, public health prosecutors, as they like to call themselves, and they are going around continuing the ongoing persecution, prosecution, of pastors, business owners asking for 21 days in jail in the case of Pastor Art Pulowski and Chris Scott. Defund those guys, too. I'm not against frontline workers. I'm not against the janitorial staff. I, I'm not against any of those people. I want the middle manager bureaucrats gone from the system. We could fire one or we could fire nine out of every 10 and no one would notice.
0: You know, and, and you're so right, Sheila, and you had a, a really good video recently. It was an update on a lot of the Alberta cases we were uh, fighting. And, and my feeling is now that, as you said, the pandemic is officially over, um, why can't these cases be thrown out of work? So many of these businesses, so many of these pastors, They've already gone through hell. They've been penalized in terms of lost revenue, in some cases losing their freedom. Can't we just drop those cases and move on? Or or is there some kind of a vendetta going on there?
1: Yeah, this is vindictiveness. Because that Alberta is now moving into the endemic stage of all of this. Leads me to believe that we probably won't be locking down again in the fall. Uh, And I think that's a political decision, given that Jason Kenney is running out of runway for his next election campaign and for people to uh, forget what has happened over the last 18 months. So I don't think we're going to be locking down again. But we do need to make an example of these people who stood up to the government. I think it is very vindictive, and that's why this continues.
0: There you go. And Sheila, it's around this time uh, that you usually tell the folks what we're actually trying to do in the next almost hour.
1: In the next almost hour, I, I don't know, we always go over time, <laughs> yeah, five minutes, true. 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, but this is the Rebel News daily live stream. It used to just be on Fridays, just, by host, just hosted by Ezra Levant. The pandemic struck, we were all grounded. Um, so there were places that we couldn't go, things we we were unable to report on. And a lot of our viewers were stuck at home because the government forcibly closed their businesses or gave them, you know, a a work from home order. So we thought, you know what, the news is changing so fast um, with regard to the pandemic and and things are popping up. So we thought, let's sit down for an hour every single day and talk about the news of the world and the news of the country with our viewers. And it was a good chance for us to also make a little revenue because we used to be able to accept uh, super chats on YouTube, but then YouTube completely demonetized us on our main YouTube channel. We're not completely demonetized on the clips channel, but on the main YouTube channel, they cut us off. What that did was cut us off from $400,000 in annual revenue. But our viewers are incredible and there are other players in the game other than youtube yeah so we are also streaming over on rumble um, which is developing a monetization uh, a way for people to to give us money while we're chatting and interact with each other but you can also find us over on odyssey that and odyssey has a few different ways to support us you can leave a hyper chat um, by purchasing odyssey's library cryptocurrency and you can give some of that to us. Um, you can also leave a hyper chat using uh, regular old currency. I think it's in US dollars, or you could tip us as a creator over on Odyssey and also on Super U, which is a great free speech company. You can also tip us as a creator over there. So there's a lot of ways to interact with each other, to interact with us and continue to support the work that we do completely willingly because we'll never take a penny from Justin Trudeau.
0: <laughs> and Shell, I gotta ask you again, do, do you, do you understand these hyper chats, these library cryptocurrencies? I mean, when you no. start talking like that, I, I devolve back into unfrozen caveman journalists. Your I don't know. Fast-moving cars and tall buildings frighten and confuse me, and so do cryptocurrencies. But I'm sure we have viewers that are much smarter than me that can figure this out, and we really do appreciate the support, don't we, Sheila? <laughs> uh,
1: we, I, you know what? I hold cryptocurrency. I have some. I don't know what to do with it i'm sort of (laughs) frightened by it um but i got some because i i guess that's what everybody's doing so i got a little bit of it and um i'm scared of it i'm scared to touch it i'm scared to lose it so it's just there and eventually i'll get around to understanding what it is and i know it's really important that you don't lose it that's all i know so i think i have
0: what you have it's on a stick in a safe at home with 20 words in order that i dare not lose
1: (laughs) i got a little more because i got a little more because it was that was kind of easy so i thought you know what i should get a little more but yeah it's in the gun safe and i'm not touching it it's just in there
0: well um let's just hope it appreciates and it's not the next X. (laughs) okay so
1: i think it'll be fine
0: Okay. Well um uh, Sheila we um why don't we uh, we already covered off the uh, Alberta ending the COVID protocols but you had a uh, speaking of COVID you had Wait, another Wait no no no
1: let's talk let's talk a little bit about the end of the COVID protocols because okay. um you, I think you guys in Ontario need to realize what it could be like and I know Jason Kenney was particularly bad when it came to civil liberties but I I suppose not any worse than Ontario, and Ontario remains bad, and we're getting a little better here. So let's let's just tell the rest of the country what it could be like um, if you, I don't know, if you lived in Alberta. So we yeah, by are the lifting, way, Sheila,
0: I, I, sorry. I, I agree, if I can just interject. Um, you're so sure, right, please. because this upcoming August long weekend, Simcoe Day, if they haven't canceled uh, Lord John Graves Simcoe yet, This is traditionally in Toronto, the August long weekend when you have Carabana and it's in a magnificent Caribbean uh, street festival. It typically attracts tourists from all over the Northeast uh, United States. Um, It is a fantastic event and for the second year in a row, cancelled and um, I'm betting if Carabana was happening in alberta that wouldn't be the case am i correct
1: yeah we just had the calgary stampede and i think there was like 71 cases of covid that were traced back to the calgary stampede i don't know if they even said that they caught it at the stampede i mean how would you know um but of uh half a million people that were coming through in close quarters over that week um 71 Cases had been in and around the area, and I don't think there are any hospitalizations related to that, which is, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, people who are going out and spending all day on their feet at the stampede, they're not the kind of people who get COVID, end up in the hospital, and die with it.
0: So, yeah, Yeah, and 71 cases, not 71 deaths, right, Sheila?
1: Yeah, and we know how they count cases, it's not always positive test results either right indeed so we've this is from uh ctv calgary from yesterday it says alberta's lifting much of its remaining covid19 restrictions in the coming weeks and then of course because this is the mainstream media even as case counts climb but they aren't they're just they're not climbing and the virus continues to infect unvaccinated albertans anyway uh it says that starting August 16th, people who test positive for COVID-19 will not be mandated to quarantine anymore, mm. but the province will recommend it. So you, you, if you test positive, basically, so what? Who cares? And then uh, additionally, Albertans with COVID-19 symptoms will not be asked to get tested, but stay home until they feel better. So we're not going to get this inflated case counts of people who just have the sniffles. Two weeks later, COVID-19 tests will only be available to people who need to go to the hospital or see a physician. So there's no more of this asymptomatic testing, which means literally testing healthy people. We're not doing that anymore. Um, And... Starting Thursday, close contacts of COVID-19 cases will no longer be mandated to quarantine either, but isolation will still be required for positive cases in people with symptoms. So that'll end two weeks from Thursday. So I guess today. Masks are not mandatory in public transit, rideshares and taxis starting on August 16th. And the only place masks may still be required is in hospitals or continuing care facilities where people are actually sick. And Jason Kenney said it's time to start thinking differently about COVID 19 because uh, cases no longer equal high levels of hospitalizations or fatalities. So that's it.
0: You know, I'm happy about the progress and the return to the good old days, uh, sort of. Uh, But, you know, Sheila, I find it a little um, perverse, all these dates, like the virus is going to abide by these dates. What?
1: We can't oh. infect you today. Sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Oh, it's the stroke of midnight, August 16th. I'm melting. I'm melting. I, I mean, I got n- go
1: to I gotta go to Ontario <laughs> if I want to hurt somebody. Sorry, That's, I'm out of here.
0: <laughs> I mean, why don't they just say, hey, uh, let's uh, let's turn Alberta, right? Uh, let's go full Florida is what I'm trying to say. You know, let, let you know, instead of all yep. these artificial dates and deadlines, I, I just find that really weird, Sheila.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, like the, the virus checks the calendar, but I guess they have to <laughs> set an arbitrary point for this. And instead of this being good news, if you checked in on social media yesterday, the professional TV doctors were losing their minds. They are really cheering for a catastrophe here in Alberta. And the fact that we basically reopened all the businesses and everything on july 1st and here we are what's today the 28th <clears throat> four weeks later no catastrophe everybody's fine hospitalization rates are way down way down so nobody even cares about case counts because case counts are just people who get the sniffles if indeed they even get the sniffles so i mean it's just funny how these tv doctors are just i mean they're they're cheering for a uh, A medical catastrophe to unfold in Alberta. And it just seems so ghoulish, right?
0: Oh, yeah. As I've called it, COVID porn. And, you know, the way the mainstream media reports on things, uh, Sheila, um, I had a chuckle today. Um, It was a news story. So it wasn't talk radio where someone is supposed to be editorializing. But in the news story narrative, uh, it, it was the issue of vaccine passports. And the newscaster went on to i don't know if this was part of her script or she decided to do some freelance editorializing saying <laughs> vaccine passports which aren't really passports it's really proof of vaccine in other words a vaccine passport <laughs> i mean like suddenly uh and but you see where they're going with this they're going to tone down the negativeness of vaccine passport yeah. because to me that is a negative and instead the uh, style guide will say uh nay on vaccine passports but do say proof of vaccination which is a little less extreme so th- that you see what what court what camp the mainstream media is in when you when you hear this kind of thing Sheila.
1: well and i think that is uh when you see them changing the language because they know the public is against vaccine passports? I think it's a tacit admission that even they know ba- vaccine passports are a, good, or a bad idea, so they can't call them that. It's proof of vaccination so that you can go places and do things. So you mean like literally a vaccine passport? Like, I I forget who had, did some streeters. I think it was Drea. In one of her uh, videos, she did some streeters and she asked people about on the streets about vaccine passports and they were like, Oh no, it's not a vaccine passport. It's just, you know, like a vaccine record that you have to produce to go places, eat in restaurants, use public facilities. So, you know, like a vaccine passport, like these word games are ridiculous, but it's exactly the Orwellian, place that society has come to right now
0: oh you're, you're so right i mean where the ministry of truth is actually the propaganda arm of uh oceana and the one place you never want to end up is the ministry of love where they torture people <laughs>
1: No greater, no greater example of this Orwellian doublespeak than the reopening Ontario act, (laughs) which is the act they used to close the place.
0: You know, what chutzpah? We are going to lock you down. We are going to change your locks. We are going to send the mounted unit out and haul you away in front of national TV cameras under... The Reopen <laughs> Ontario Act. They have no shame yeah. here, Sheila.
1: No. I, I mean, and all this from a so-called conservative prime minister, right? It's, or a conservative uh, premier. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I said conservative prime minister, like that's a thing that's going to happen in the next 20 years. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, uh, m-
0: maybe there was, he had a shot at that. But the last almost two years, I think, has destroyed that. I, I think he is. Totally turned his base against him, Sheila. And uh, not only a, a, a supposedly Ontario uh, Conservative Premier, but the fact that one of his main slogans, in addition to For the People, was Ontario open for business. <laughs> um, you know what, Sheila, that's our fault. We missed that tiny little asterisk and we looked in the fine print. And yeah, open for business during a pandemic if you're Walmart or Costco or the Loblaw group of companies. Those people are open yep. for business. Your little mom, pa, uh, toy store, shoe store, spa. Oh, no. Uh, y- y- we, This government will come down on you w- with the force of a papal bull. So give me a break.
1: Yeah. Reopening Ontario Act. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um <laughs> Now, Sheila, how, what, since you are in Alberta, and I I, I can't wait to get back there, how are people uh, reacting uh, to the reopening? Uh, Because again, uh, coming down to Rebel News headquarters here in Toronto, um, I was, I wish you were in the car with me because it was a talk radio segment and it was uh, 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 about a caller sending a, a text message. And basically... Um, the family were going to finally go out to a restaurant now that that's allowed, uh, indoor seating. You don't want to go on a patio today in uh, Toronto. It's uh, raining cats and dogs. And at the last second, the father said, I'm sorry, I'm just not ready for this. I, I, I just can't do this. And of course, uh, the host interviewed a psychiatrist to get tips on how people uh, should you know, man up and go to a restaurant. You'd think they're being drafted for a war overseas, right? But I don't, I mean, the circle I'm in, uh, I don't sense any anxiety. People are like, you know, pedal to the metal, open up, open up, we want to get back to normalcy. Is that what's happening in Alberta? Or are there people that are, Sheila, just not ready to go to the bistro?
1: Oh, I'm sure there are some of those people in downtown Edmonton, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, I kind of hold Ralph Klein's opinion on downtown Edmonton in that it's, a it's a nice place with too many mosquitoes and socialists. Um, but I think by and large, like I get a different experience, right? Cause I live in rural Alberta and if I ever get sort of close to the city, I'm only going there to, to work on something and then come back out. So I stay sort of in the surrounding areas, like very blue collar community of Fort Saskatchewan, um, Sherwood Park is more affluent bedroom community. So that's as far as I get. And things are pretty normal there. Now, you maybe have like 10% true believers who are still masked up in the vegetable section of the grocery store while simultaneously (laughs) touching everything. Um, But... it's alberta and we're you know i think we just have like a different mentality here like we uh, we're a different kind of people uh we're by and large conservative we don't like being told what to do it's why we uh had the restaurant uprising it's why we had the church uprising we're just the kind of people who don't take kindly to government telling us how to live our lives who we can talk to and who we can have in our homes so it's a little bit different i think but i think ontario needs like cult deprogramming a little bit.
0: Oh, uh, I agree. But, you know, Sheila, you saw what they did to Adam Skelly of Adamson's Barbecue. They yeah. made him an example. Uh, that was such overkill. And really, it wasn't so much vindictiveness against Adam Skelly, although p- there was a part of that. It was a message that uh, Mayor Tory and Cruella Devilla and Doug Ford were sending to any other yep. small business You dare have the temerity to do what this guy's doing? How do you like going to the cooler? How do you like, you know, having your business destroyed in front of uh, the gleeful uh, clapping seals of the mainstream media? Uh, That was really what that was about. So um, I think that successfully quashed any kind of, you know, Toronto or Ontario rebellion in terms of a critical mass, Sheila. Yeah, I
1: think, though again, it speaks to a different culture because um, that's how you get more of us in Alberta. You know, like when they start cracking down on one pastor, one business owner, That's how they ended up with more of us. And in Toronto, the opposite happened. Everyone was like, oh, I don't want that to happen to me. So I'll just shut up and I'll just wait this out. Where in Alberta, it was completely different. When Chris Scott opened up his restaurant, everybody else started opening up. When Natalie Klein opened up her hair salon, everybody else started opening up in solidarity. When uh, Pastor James Coates stood up to the government and even after James Coates went to jail for 35 days other pastors were opening their congregation. So I think, again, if, and not to, well, you know what, it does sound like I'm going to say something bad about the people of Toronto and don't write me letters because I know there's good people there and a lot of you watch us. But I think if there were a different response to what happened, oh, this is a lot sooner.
0: Sheila, could you could repeat you that? You, you froze uh, for a little bit, so we uh, you were about to oh. say, it was just after you said, uh, people in Toronto don't hate me for saying this, and then we didn't hear what you he had to say. <laughs> <laughs> people Justin, are going to think Justin the deep pro- state is censoring.
1: <laughs> Justin probably cut my mic. Um, <laughs> you no, know, what I said was, uh, you know, like even though a lot of people in Toronto watch us, and there's a lot of good people there standing up for freedom, but I think If there had been solidarity around Adam Skelly, as opposed to fear, you guys would have been out of this a lot
0: sooner. A hundred percent. And you know, even with those outrageous, over the top police uh, fear and intimidation tactics that Adam Skelly endured, Sheila, just think of it. If a thousand businesses in Toronto, the city of Toronto opened the next day, are you gonna do that a thousand times? You don't, there's not enough resources to do that. You know, there really isn't, and it was a missed opportunity, I think. And now, I mean, just as we're getting open, the speculation is uh, what's going to happen in fall? Um, Typically, uh, you know, there's a lot of chatter about uh, well, are the schools really, really ready uh, to reopen? Um, and and of course, fall is flu season, which I guess gets conflated with uh, COVID these days. Yeah. And you know, and I love what Ezra, our boss, had to say the other day. When Ro- when Doug Ford makes a statement that, let me tell you, by golly, folks, in September the kids are going back to school, even if I have to drive the school. <laughs> That's right? Sure. And I think of sure, Doug. Doug Ford driving this giant mega school bus all over the province picking up kids. And Ezra's point was that when he hears, you know, rhetoric like that, Sheila, the kind of rhetoric that personally makes the dial on my BS detector go deep into the red zone, I'm kind of betting on a lockdown. Uh, right now, I think it's 50 yeah. 50. But what are your thoughts on that? And what's the uh, what do you hear uh, on the streets of Alberta?
1: Well, I yeah, it's that it's that fake populism, right? That fake populism that everybody bought into with Doug Ford the first time around, and he thinks that we're gonna believe him. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do we get? We're gonna believe you now and not your actions over the last eighteen months? Sure, seems legit. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm very worried about Ontario in that I do think you guys have, I think it's more like a 75% potential to lock back down. And I bet you, I just bet you, your kids are going to be wearing masks to go to school in the fall, if they go to school Mm -hmm. at all.
0: And you know, Sheila, I got to tell you, if I was at that presser where he said that, because they don't take our questions, um, they're too prickly. I think my first question is, um, Premier Ford, Do you have a license that would allow you to drive a school bus? You can't just need your regular. I don't know what it is in
1: Ontario. (laughs) I don't know what it is in Ontario, but do you have a class four? That's what it is in Alberta.
0: Because then you're really breaking the law, aren't you? You know, the Ministry of Transportation might look uh, dimly upon that. Or is this advice from your imaginary friend Arthur again?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Driving around in the cheesecake school bus, (laughs) picking up everybody's kids with his regular driver's license. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. Nobody believes him anymore.
0: I know. It's just too many, Gilles. Too many. And we used to adore this man. He he was a guest speaker at one of our Rebel Live events, I think 2017, wasn't he? And, uh, you know, and that's a great juxtaposition of what Doug Ford was and what he became. You go back to that video, Sheila, and the things he was saying that was getting a standing O at the Rebel Live, and the things he has done now in a position of power, they're absolute night and day.
1: Yeah, I I remember he gave out his personal cell phone number.
0: Oh, not anymore. That's disconnected.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I believe that.
0: (laughs) But you're right. I believe that one. You know, uh, 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 someone of that stature. Uh, giving out his personal cell phone uh, number, folks, and and at a time it did work, uh, and I'm sure he got inundated with messages. But those days are not long gone. You dial that number today, sorry, the number you have just dialed is out of service. Kind of like the province itself, out of service. Yeah,
1: yeah, it too, it too is experiencing treatment from the open for business law. <laughs> yes. um, I'll never forget there was a video or it was a phone call and it was a CBC interview on CBC radio, which is absolutely terrible (laughs) that um, it's, it's just the worst. But anyways, the hosts had called Rob Ford while he was coaching. Oh, I remember that at the time. Yeah. And the hosts were like, offended that he wasn't devoting all of his time to them and finally he's like I'm coaching football like well quit calling me kind of thing but naturally he's one of those guys that gave out his phone number so CBC just called him
0: you you know Sheila Rob Ford who I adore and by the way Rob Ford is not Doug Ford we have surely discovered that in the last two years but I remember that well and he was a mocked for taking a call and, like you said, not uh, giving his, uh, you know, total attention to the Khaleesi's at the CBC, and B, also mocked for, well, he's mayor and he's, like, um, you you know, coaching this toxic masculinity tackle football. I can tell you, I mean, at the time I did a story uh, back in my freelancing days for the National Post uh, in which... I, um, you know, I sort of embedded myself with the team for a bit. And you had kids from all kinds of diverse backgrounds. Uh, Don Bosco, kind of in a rough neighbourhood of of town. And uh, I will never forget um, a couple of the single mothers that came up to me and spoke about what the football program uh, meant to them. And it was this, Sheila. If not for this football program my son would either be in jail or dead that's what they yep. said to me because without something to do they'd have all this free time on their hands they'd hang around at the mall kind of maybe get you know drift into gang culture perhaps but mm-hmm. they join the football team they endure practice every day you know when they come home their head hits the pillow they're exhausted they're out yep. so it was keeping these kids in school building them up mentally the football program building them up physically and these bastards in the city of toronto the social elitists uh had the temerity to mock what um rob ford was doing with that football program they have no solutions sheila they talk yeah. a mean game but that, you know i think out west what what is the saying um all hat no cattle and yeah. that's what that man had to go through and it's absolutely shameful
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, Rob Ford's approach to those kids was, you know, the old saying that idle hands are the devil's workshop. Right. Mm. Keep the kids busy. Give them something that they can achieve um, and, you know, keep them off the streets. And, you know, think about what it was like for those kids to have somebody as important as Rob Ford take time out of his day to work with them to cheer them on, to coach them, to mentor them. You know, that's something, you know, when you're a a disadvantaged kid, and I think I can speak to this a little bit because I kind of was one, um, to have somebody important take an interest in you, that's something you never forget. That sticks with you forever. It gives you value as you go forward.
0: Oh, and Sheila, let me tell you this. This was not a PR stunt on behalf of Rob Ford to get publicity. He was totally invested in those kids. He, every kid had his number they, 24-7, and he even told me he had calls at 3 or 4 in the morning of a kid in trouble. He got into his car to get them out of trouble. He also donated, um, I believe it was in the neighborhood of 30 or 35000 to buy the equipment uh, for the football program. And, uh, and this was, like I said, it was not a publicity stunt. He wasn't looking for glowing articles in Toronto Life. Oh, the mayor yeah. who also coaches. Uh, and when you saw him on the sidelines, it was a passion of his. It was an absolute yep. passion. And, you know, I, I wonder, you know, I, I, I'm gonna have to, you've given me an idea. I'm going to look into whether or not the program even exists anymore at Don Bosco. Um, if it doesn't, that's a shame
1: well and if it doesn't you know exactly why yeah um because nobody like rob stepped up um we should this is actually a pretty good segue into your video about the women's rugby team oh um yeah
0: (laughs) okay then and uh mr producer you all right uh yeah um if there's anything that these olympics are about folks it has to be wokeness. I think this should make it a a gold medal game. Um, Who is going to be the most woke at the Japan 2020 Olympics? And wow, some of the front runners are the members of the Canadian women's sevens rugby team. Check it out. There were many glowing, gushing and fawning articles published the other day about the Canadian women's rugby sevens team, which is now over in Tokyo competing at a spectator-free Olympic Games that apparently nobody seems to care about but then again why shouldn't there be full-page newspaper articles about these canuck ladies winning the gold medal Uh, oops at time of writing the squad hadn't even played a single rugby game yet their chests weren't adorned with glittery medals but rather with black and white t-shirts proclaiming bipoc lives matter now at first blush i misread bipoc for biopic and i thought gee how curious that these gals are going to bat for the lives of documentary filmmakers alas BIPOC actually stands for black indigenous people of color all righty then but missing from all the articles was an explanation vis-a-vis what the rules are when it comes to whose lives matter and whose lives do not I must say I'm completely confused You see, Black Lives Matter is the granddaddy phrase. I agree with the sentiment that black lives indeed matter, although I loathe the organization Black Lives Matter as it is so jam-packed with Marxists and racists. Case in point, Usra Kogari, a.k.a. Usra Ali. She's one of the organizers of Black Lives Matter Toronto, and apparently Usra tweeted this mirthful message a while back, quote, Please, Allah, give me the strength not to cuss-kill these men and white folks out here today. Please, please, please. End quote. Oh, by the way, Toronto Mayor John Wolktori would later give her some sort of civic award for something. (laughs) Worst mayor ever. But here's the thing, I am of the firm belief that all lives matter. Every single one, Dr. Martin Luther King thought so too back in the day and... What reasonable person would not be on board with such a sentiment, yet stating that all lives matter is supposedly an egregious act of cultural appropriation, or at least an act of t-shirt slogan appropriation, just ask the folks at Pollock's Home Hardware. Last July, this shop in West End, Toronto, put up a sign that declared, quote, all lives matter, be safe, be kind, end quote. Oh, ho! Hogtown's woke mob reacted with absolute fury. You'd think the Pollocks were displaying a swastika or something. Indeed, check out some of the comments that were published in a blog TO post. Gasped one triggered social justice warrior, quote, I actually can't believe I saw this. How has this not been addressed? End quote. Fumed another spirit unicorn, quote, This sign is extremely inappropriate toward black community members that are fighting against their people being killed and brutalized. Or do you only care about your white customers? End quote. Naturally, the sign very quickly came down before a mostly peaceful Antifa community outreach group dropped by to introduce the hardware store to an assortment of Molotov summer cocktails. But that was then and this is now, because apparently in 2021, you can MacGyver the Black Lives Matter slogan. The The rugby gals are getting applauded for their tinkering, not condemned but are they truly being as inclusive as they could be? Does BIPOC include gay lives and trans lives? Does it include Latino lives? But hey, I get it, there's only so much real estate on a T-shirt, so maybe the rugby gals should wear shirts stating, all lives matter, except one category, that should do it. Or how about this, enough with the virtue signaling, How about just, you know, get out on the pitch and play rugby and try to win a gold medal for our great dominion. And hey, should they finish second or third, perhaps they can climb up upon the podium adorned in t-shirts that state, silver and bronze medals matter, even though, let's face it, folks, nobody really gives a rodent's rectum. For Rebel News, I'm David the Menzoid Menzies. answer it, Sheila.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I you I didn't. Justin didn't have you in my ear when you came back, but um. Well,
0: go ahead. well, I'm just gonna. I was just gonna ask you to weigh in on it because, and you have some skin in the game, given that I've, I believe your lovely daughter does play rugby, and um, and let me fr- uh, put this to you, Sheila. You know, in the course of researching this whole bipoc thing, um, it's amazing how the left continues to eat itself. I understand the phrase people of color is entering politically incorrect territory. Uh, I can't even think of what the politically correct 2021 version uh, descriptor is for people of color. Much like, remember, uh, for the last few years, we're all about triggering and trigger warnings. Evidently, trigger is under the ban, Sheila, because a trigger is a piece of a gun and guns are evil don't you know so before our eyes um within months even politically correct terminology is becoming politically incorrect (laughs) where does this madness end sheila
1: (laughs) i hope it never ends because now they're turning on each other and i'm just over here saying i just get to say whatever i want and you guys you guys can sort out all this like word language garbage but yeah my 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 daughter does play rugby and, uh, you know, I look at this and I think, what would have happened to the one person on the team who said, no, I'm not wearing this shirt. This is stupid and this isn't why we're here. You
0: You know very well what would happen.
1: And I think that's where I'm going with this is this isn't actually... Um, about being united or ecumenical or anything, this actually serves to alienate and bully the people on your team who maybe have different political views. It's actually a divisive poison on the team because I look at my daughter's rugby team, girls from all different backgrounds because rugby's accessible. There's no equipment. You pay for you know your pitch fees, and some insurance to make sure that you don't sue the club when your nose gets broken. Yeah. It's pretty accessible. <laughs> all you need is cleats, yeah. right? And so there, because of that, there are, you know, kids from all different backgrounds, kids from, you know, different ethnic backgrounds, um, because that's another thing about rugby. You have it, It's a sport that is played um, in other parts of the world. For example, like in New Zealand, the uh, indigenous members sort of dominate the team they're the better players right like so it's in that part of the world it's actually an indigenous sport um and so you have people from all different backgrounds and i don't i think this serves to divide the team this doesn't unite the team this bullies certain people and it i mean i don't i don't even know how any of this is necessary but When you were doing this video and after it was sort of produced and then I saw it and then another story broke and I was like, oh, I wish we could have added this to the story. But then I didn't know how we could shoehorn it in and the video was already done anyway. Justin, I sent you that link from CTV Edmonton. (laughs) Everybody has the opportunity to be educated. Country club pulls picture after public backlash the glendale golf and country club has apologized for reposting a picture of a foursome who wore shirts at a golf tournament that read drunk wives matter and so the golf club like the country club is in trouble because these ladies were wearing the shirts that are widely available by the way if you just put in drunk wives matter into google search you'll get like so many companies selling them but they found an educator whatever that means i don't think that means somebody with a degree in education that means somebody who takes money from a government to uh, brainwash your staff into thinking that they are racist when they say anything but farah sharif an educator told ctv news why they thought this was a good idea is beyond me mocking an entire black activist movement post george floyd is inherently racist, period. So this person that doesn't know these ladies, who are just, you know, ladies in matching outfits on the golf course, having a couple drinks, as people tend to do um, at the golf course, she's this person, this educator, not knowing anything about these ladies, called them all racist. Yeah. They don't know if these ladies have adopted black children. They don't know if they're married to indigenous men. They don't know anything about anything. But they feel that it is absolutely their right to come to the conclusion that those ladies are racist. And I think that's the problem in all of this, too, is if you don't self-flagellate, you're also racist. And the activists now want these ladies banned from the golf club. Oh, They don't want them there at all.
0: A hundred percent, Sheila. And, and I mean, come on—it's gentle parody of a phrase. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're racist. They're making
1: fun of themselves. I, exactly, they're making fun it's, of
0: themselves. It's self-deprecating. Well, I'm surprised, you know. Um, you know, Mad hasn't weighed in on this. You know, as uh, is this some subtle message about uh, drinking and driving being okay? But Sheila, what the example I gave—a Pollux hardware store where it said, quote, all lives matter, be safe, be kind. How is that offensive to any reasonable person? Of course, all lives matter. And be safe, be kind. That's troublesome, too. That's an expression of, I don't know, white privilege, white supremacy. This is madness, Sheila.
1: Well, and with regard to this like golf club thing here, now this educator, I don't know how you just educator, you just uh, you're basically a bully that's what you do or you you call companies racist yeah. um apropos of nothing and then you take money from the company to unracist them through classes it's a neat little scam these people have oh, going yeah. but anyways she, uh the golf club apologized but then the educator said the apology was weak and lacked <laughs> a specific edge <laughs> Because it's not enough, right? It's not enough. And says it lacks a specific educational plan for them to move forward with. So there's the monetization of the outrage for the educator, right? Your apology isn't good enough. and now you. But you need me now to come educate you and pay me for it. And then because the golf club didn't capitulate fast enough, this person now, this educator, tolerance educator, is whipping up an online mob. Says... I encourage people that follow me to contact the Glendale and ask, how are they learning? What are they doing? I bet if they hired this educator, that would be great. They've learned all they need to know, right? Line this person's pocket. It's a pretty neat thing that these people do. Whip up an outrage mob by calling a golf club or any business racist and then offer the solution. And the solution is pay me to brainwash your staff. It, it, and then it, they say, everybody has the opportunity to be educated. Yeah, I bet they do.
0: I you know what this do. reminds me of, Sheila? Um, about 15 years ago, if I got the chronology right, at the um, the ex-president of Mexico, uh, Vicente Fox, he had said something that was uh, deemed anti-black. And part of his Circe walk of shame, which I found hilarious, was him personally getting on the phone and phoning... Uh, prominent black celebrities like Oprah Winfrey to personally (laughs) apologize for his words, which he did, evidently, right? Uh, So I think that might have been a little genesis of the madness that is now uh, full-blown right in the here and now. But I mean, these Olympics are making me ill. I mean, can't people just line up and run or swim or jump over hurdles or play rugby for goodness sake and spare us this sanctimonious bs.
1: Yeah, just go there and do what we sent you to do. Yeah. You know? With our money. This, the, with our money this is not your political platform. You're there representing the company or the country. Yeah. If you want to go there, then just go there. Do what we have sent you to do and don't turn this incredible opportunity into a personal bully pulpit. Just go do your thing and come home and then take the profile that you earned by actually doing something something at the Olympics and do whatever you want. I don't care. This is a free country. But while you're there representing all of us, all of us with our diverse political opinions, just zip it till you get home. It's like 10 days. Just be quiet while you're there.
0: A hundred percent, Sheila. And, you know, really, do you know anyone in your circle that's actually watching any of the Olympics? Because I have zero interest, and I don't know anyone in my circle, including all my colleagues here at Rebel News, that have actually tuned into one minute of these games.
1: Oh, Mr. Producer says
0: I watch every night, so that tells you a lot about Mr. Producer, folks.
1: (laughs) First of all, I think everybody knows that I don't, cares so much for professional sports. However, I like sports entertainment Um, (laughs) as far (laughs) as wrestling goes. Um, I sort of have an eye to the Canadian sports shooters because they have been pretty vocal about the gun ban Mm. and how it will affect their sport. So they're over there representing the country and they're like "The, the government literally wants to ban our sport, but we're over here doing our best to represent the country anyway. So I sort of have an eye to what they're doing and Canada produces some pretty great sports shooters. Um, but that's about it. I just, I just, I don't care. There's no crowds. Um, and then with all the wokeism and then I'm like, oh, so just also, there's also the whole thing that just mediocre men can now join the ladies sports and, and beat them and rob them of their life's work. And so I like, I just, I can't care anymore. The Olympics has killed the Olympics for me.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right, uh, Sheila. And we, we have that um, male weightlifter in the Tokyo Games. Uh, Laurel who, Hubbard. Yeah, uh, yeah. And this ain't little Mother Hubbard, uh, believe me, folks. And going back to rugby, this is why I found that wokeness so surprising. Because because correct me if I'm wrong, Sheila. I believe the World Rugby Union, the governing body, mm-hmm. has Um, done a fantastic thing, which is to take a stance against radical transgenderism. They're saying, "Uh uh-uh, if you're a male pretending to be a female, you are not in this sport because you are literally injuring, you know, seriously, biological female players. And they're absolutely right. So um, that's what strikes me that um, these women that are playing this sport um, are part of a federation that is not politically correct. I, I can't think of any other um, sports federation that has come out with the stance that the World uh, Rugby Union has said, Sheila.
1: Yeah, it, it's just strange. But then, you know, that, that's just, I mean, these, while they're like, big rugby union is is taking a stance, you know, things happen here in Canada, and it just seems that... um you know, there are a lot of good Canadian athletes that are at the Olympics that we aren't watching because these sorts of things disaffect the rest of us. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's kind of sad, too. It's, you know, there's all these other athletes that I know we sh- probably should be cheering for They They worked really hard to get to where they are. And then they do something like this. And I'm like, I just I can't care about any of it. Sorry, I just can't. And I don't think that's fair to the other athletes. But here we are. It's what happens.
0: Indeed, we are. And by the way, Sheila, do we have some chats that have come in?
1: Yes, we do. And oh. we, you know what? We have to get to the other thing that's in the title of the uh, YouTube video because we get emails about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Oops. Three days was... and we'll
1: talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, am I back? You are. Okay, perfect. Um, we've got a uh, hyper chat of five libraries from Spiker 15. CDC now admits that the COVID test cannot tell the difference between COVID and the yearly flu. Yeah, that's why the yearly flu disappeared, right? Mm. Um, <laughs> we've got another super you from Devil's Advocate. Yes, the virus is in constant negotiations with the politicians. Yeah, isn't that the truth? <laughs> and like, the public sector unions.
0: You stole the words out of my mouth. <laughs> the I'm surprised the union, virus the isn't running union. Um, attack ads, Sheila.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. The teachers' union, the nurses' union, all of them. Yeah. Uh, but. We've got a rumble from Chronic Bud 99 almost two years to flatten the curve. Yeah, we're almost two years into two weeks to flatten the curve. <laughs> and we are all in this together.
0: <laughs> oh, God.
1: Words I never want to hear again. No
0: me me neither. We've
1: got a hyper chat from History Club World. To me, it seems the doctors want to keep COVID-19 as a major issue so they get the respect and extra pay. I don't think it's just doctors who feel that way. Uh, the media wants to keep COVID for the money. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll also add something to that. I don't even think they care about the money i think they're generally quite lazy and they don't like attending things in person so if they can attend a you know a press conference via live stream without getting out of their jammy jams uh to do some actual work they're happy with that they like how that is for them
0: but but Um, i think that's an excellent comment uh from history club world that the money angle um i'm still an old dinosaur that buys newspapers And I can tell you, during this pandemic, full-page ads, double-page spreads about, you know, COVID safety protocols, where the vaccinations are. This has been a little bit of an advertising uh, bonanza uh, or a blip, but however you want to call it, they'll take money from wherever they can uh, get it these days. And by the way, we're paying for it. These are government ads. So yeah, the mainstream media... Um, this is kind of good. Same with radio and TV ads. I see about COVID all the time, Mm -hmm. um, spreading the, um, you know, the, the, fear factor out there. Stay home, stay home, bake a cherry cheesecake. So, um, really if you're part of a sunset media organization, do you want this kind of ad revenue gravy train to dry up? I don't think you do.
1: Yeah. Stay home to stay safe. On a billboard everywhere. Um, And they also do it as a way to separate them from us commoners. That's true, too. Plus, in Alberta, everybody already has a vaccine record. I can tell you the exact day I got my grade six vaccination. Yeah, it's true. We do. Um, I know I had to. My daughter was going to cadet camp a couple of years ago, and we had to produce vaccine records before she could go. And it wasn't it was just because there were kids coming from overseas from places where they have no vaccinations for certain dangerous diseases and they wanted to make sure that she would not be exposed. Um, but those are actual like dangerous diseases, not like COVID that is mistaken so frequently for the flu and, and vice versa. Uh, people versus predators. Oh, it's Mike from Freedom Honey. Uh, hi, Mike. Uh, your federal petition, his federal petition starts this weekend. We will be at the Alberta legislature Saturday and Sunday. Thanks, Rebels. Well, Mike, I'll have to come see you. Mike has a federal petition. I don't know who's sponsoring it. Yet. and i uh i guess i'll find that out over the weekend um about changes to um bail and release for people who hurt kids so great work guys i'll see you
0: then uh well, and you left us a tip who would be against that <laughs> who would click civil liberties down groups. <laughs> oh yeah those civil guys Civil liberties groups yeah
1: yeah um And Mike also tipped us five bucks. Well, that's very generous, Mike. We've got a hyper chat from History Club World. Down in Medicine Hat, it seems like maybe 1% of the people are actually still wearing masks outside of places that require it. The thing I was talking about in my previous hyper chat is the online medical records that are accessible to everyone through a digital ID. Yeah, that's true. We've got a rumble um, from DJ4634. Remember when athletes competed for their nation? Defund the athletes. You know. Yeah.
0: What just, a concept.
1: <laughs> just, just go there and be quiet, and then win something, and then come home and use your newfound profile to talk about whatever you want. I don't care. Talk about whatever you want. Yeah. Just, just go there and compete, though, please. Just yeah. shut up about everything else for ten days. Um, just gotta do it. From his
0: yes. <laughs> Remember that slogan.
1: <laughs> yeah, Nike, worst company in the world. Um, <laughs> I agree. Talk about woke. Uh, History Club World. It seems that the Olympics this year are highly political. People from by and large Muslim companies are refusing to compete against the Israelis and probably other Jews. Actually, there's um an Iranian athlete who spoke up uh in favor of Israel and God only knows what's gonna happen to him when he goes wow. home. I hope he defect I hope he defects while he's in Tokyo. But we've seen this before where um some of the more radical countries refuse to compete against the Israeli athletes when it comes to contact sports like judo or whatever. Um, But this uh, Iranian athlete, he you know, thanked Israel, was very supportive of Israel and I hope to God he defects while he's there because he's going to go home and be killed and tortured.
0: You might be right about that, Sheila, with that regime there. And yeah, I I, I think I know what the viewer is speaking of. I think it was uh, judo uh where it was an Arab uh contestant and the coach I remember reading the article saying uh yeah we were looking for a good draw we got a bad draw that meaning um we have to uh fight an Israeli so instead of sucking it up and getting out there and uh doing the judo thing uh they defaulted bye yeah 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 and uh, well I
1: guess though what what would have been more embarrassing though if he lost to the Israeli
0: Indeed, and that is exactly, Sheila, what was going through my mind uh, reading that article. Is this really all about him being, you know, terrorized, the idea of losing to a Jew from Israel, and uh, how do I live that down? So he took the coward's route. He defaulted. (laughs) I I really believe that.
1: Oh, I, I do too. That would have been just so sweet. (laughs) <laughs> to see uh, a bigot lose to an Israeli. Anyway, um, a history club world goes on. Then there is BLM and all the other race groups and political groups just makes me somewhat worry for the Paralympics. You know what? The thing about the Paralympics, though, is they there's not a lot of this stuff yeah. involved in it. And uh, I actually enjoy the Paralympics um, because there's none of that. And I think um, the Paralympics is such a, a testament to the value of human life and what people can do. And uh, and I I like it probably better than the normal Olympics. And I think we're all cut up on the chats with two minutes left of the show. And we didn't talk about the Justin Trudeau plastics thing, but we pro- maybe I'll just briefly touch on it really fast, okay. Justin, if that's okay. Um, so we came across this. It was in an what we call a proactive release package. And that means that somebody else asked for these documents, got them, didn't see anything noteworthy in them or found what they wanted and did what they wanted with them. And any time that another party asks for documents, there comes a time in which they are proactively released to the public. So you have exclusive possession of them until such time as they're just basically dumped on a website and you can go pick through them and find them. Which is also something we do because I think a lot of the mainstream media outlets, they ask for certain things. They don't find what they're looking for or something bad about the liberals is in there. So they don't report it. They just leave it. So we go back and poke through these things. And it's a lot of work, but we do it anyway because frequently we find things. And in this case, we did. We found a messaging plan where the liberals were um, basically encouraging people to use less effective masks because the ones that are more effective in stopping the spread of COVID, if you care about those sorts of things, and I'm not sure that I do, but the liberals sure do, and the progressives sure do, because they're the locker-downers. The liberals were, in the name of fighting plastic pollution, telling people to use reusable masks that, as we know, are ineffective. Like, put your shirt over your face and breathe through it. You know, like, that's... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how do you think that stops a germ right but they didn't want people using medical ppe not because it would cause a shortage of medical ppe but because they didn't want the plastic waste and for the liberals fighting plastic pollution which is completely inert and the perfect garbage because you can burn it to create energy afterwards they didn't want people using plastic so that so they were in their own minds willing to put people's health at risk Again, if you care about COVID and the spread and wearing masks, I don't, but the Liberals do, and that's the point.
0: So Sheila, whatever happened to the old chestnut that public safety is paramount, that if they really believe that these masks are ensuring the health and safety of the population, uh, I'm sorry, uh, health and safety, public safety, that should come before any pollution issue, I would assume, but apparently, never um a liberal will never miss an opportunity to virtue signal
1: well yeah and look how liberals are treating plastic again i'm a fan of plastic i love plastic plastic we we should have stopped the ban on plastic when we realized it's perfectly necessary uh for a sanitary society especially during a during a pandemic restaurant owners, plastic made it possible for them to survive with takeout and delivery Uh, in hospitals, intubation, PPE, plastic, 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 even grocery stores. They realized during the pandemic, it's kind of gross for us to be touching your gross reusable bags that are full of E. coli from leaky meat. Please use this plastic bag. So municipalities were even reversing their plastic bans during the pandemic because they realized that plastic is sanitary and like i said it's the perfect garbage recycling such a scam it's a stored fossil fuel you just take it you incinerate it you power your house with it it's beautiful it's great you use it once you get to burn it you got electricity but the liberals have listed plastic as a schedule one toxin like it's lead yeah. asbestos and mercury <clears throat> so f- in their minds yeah it makes perfect sense. We'd rather people use a completely ineffective medic- or fabric mask instead of using something we think is akin to lead. I mean, it makes perfect sense when you examine the liberal mindset. It's it's nonsensical in reality, but perfect in the mind of Justin
0: Trudeau. And Sheila, also, uh, let's not kid the kidders, as they say down at the Midway. Um, these people pushing for plastic bans... Uh, they themselves use these disposable plastics every sure. day, and if you think I'm, you know, making a, a thesis, I can't prove, folks. Uh, I did prove it uh, on a video when uh, in Richmond Hill, where I live, there was a counselor who is obsessed about the city of Richmond Hill having its own single-use plastic ban. I guess where will we get our plastics? Oh, from the bordering areas of Toronto, Markham, Vaughan, Aurora. Right, huh. but. The fact is, when that was debated, when they broke for lunch, I went into the council offices, and his name is David West. His nickname is David Waste, um, which tells you about uh, a lot about his political capital. And guess what? Guess what? David Waste was eating, folks, food in single-use plastic (laughs) containers, which I pointed out, and he immediately slammed the door. (laughs) Or as I like yep. to say, just another day at the office. So please, um, if you're going to preach this kind of crap, guys, at least you know bring your own ceramic mugs and bowls and uh, everything yeah. else. Uh, lead by example. I know, what a concept.
1: Well, I, and I, I don't even think any of this is really about plastic, right? Like, I don't think so. I think plastic is the victim here. But really, this goes back to the war on oil and gas. Mm. This is just... Because plastic is made by oil and gas and oil and gas is bad, therefore plastic is bad. I think plastic is, is the unwilling victim here because we know it is not Canadian plastic that is ending up up the nose and in the eyeballs of sea turtles somewhere or creating a tidal wave in some Chinese river. It's not our plastic. We're pretty good. Yep. At dealing with garbage in Canada, we're a pretty clean and tidy place. And actually, if you travel the world, that's one of the things I notice. Like even in advanced Western civilizations, Western countries, Western Europe, I'm like, ah, you guys it's kind of dirty here. Clean the streets. We're really good at dealing with our garbage here in Canada. And uh, so it's. I don't think it's about. It's never been about plastic. It's about oil and gas, and plastic is just related and bad by default.
0: No, you're absolutely right. And Sheila, um, way back, I think it was 1995, I was in Egypt. I was on a uh, a little cruise ship going down the Nile. I was up late at night. So I I don't think I was supposed to see this. And I looked with shock as crew members were just tossing full garbage bags off the ship into the Nile River. (laughs) And it it, it, it was like, it, it was disturbing because I'm with you. Just because we're pro-plastic, that's not worth saying, oh, toss your empty uh, bottle in the, uh, the lake or river or ocean or litter. No. no far be- uh, on the contrary, manage the waste, right? It, the, the, you can even make, as you said earlier, energy out of waste if you uh, choose to, Sheila. Um, and I don't think under cloak of darkness throwing full garbage bags into a river is, is the way to go. That, that, that's not w- what we are advocating.
1: No, I, you know, I'm one of those people that when I go quadding or go camping or whatever, I bring everybody else's garbage out too. Like if I'm on the trails and I see garbage, I pick it up, I put it in the back of my Rhino and I bring it back out. I try to leave the place cleaner than I, uh, than when I got there, I I'm anti littering, but I'm pro plastic and I don't think those two things are incompatible. Um, however, the liberals seem to think it is for some reason.
0: I'm with you 100% on that. We we got to run those anti-littering ads, uh, those great ads from the early 70s, like uh, "Give a hoot, don't pollute," that sort of thing. <laughs> and,
1: You'll have me crying. I'll be the guy that cries and turn, yeah. and I'll be like, somebody will throw something out the window, and a tear will roll down my. cheek. That's chain.
0: right. Oh, that's <laughs> that iconic. Uh, the, it's the the Native American the, who, yeah. wh- I believe, was Italian actually, or it, it wasn't. <laughs> But I, I know what you're saying, you know. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I think there is a way to have our plastics and responsibly dispose of them as opposed to canceling the plastics industry, which is apparently what these liberals want to do.
1: It is absolutely what they want to do. But we are, I think we're seven minutes past the hour, and I think we're all caught up on the chats. Hey, Justin. I
0: he's, can't hear you, Justin. has got a it big matter. thumbs up. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> Folks, thank you so much, especially for those who made a donation. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks to Justin behind the board. Of course, the she-devil with a sword in northern Alberta. I'm signing off, and we will be back on Tuesday. Tomorrow, the big boss man, Ezra Levant, will be here at the usual time and place. In the meantime, folks, stay sane.